0: Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, History of the Thirty Years' War. So last time we dealt with the Catholics' reaction to the war with Sweden and dealing with Lorraine, which did not go well for them. And I mentioned at the end that they would look for other allies to reach out for. So, in this one, we'll cover those allies they gathered. Or tried to gather at least. The first one they tried to gather was Spain, which was a rather difficult and ineffectual ally. Archduchess Isabella thought the Swedish forces would convince the Catholic League to assist them and vice versa, as it would show solidarity, that whole thing. But the city of Cologne refused the offer of 3,000 Spanish troops. 9,000 Spanish troops were on the western side of the Rhine when Gustavus reached the Lower Palatinate, and only 400 of those troops assisted the Imperials in reinforcing mines, which didn't help much as the city surrendered anyways, as we know. Maximilian also did not trust Spain and refused Isabella's terms. The emperor, however, tried to court the Spanish for support, especially after the failure in the Baltic and the Mantuan War. Ferdinand had actually married the daughter of the Spanish king, named Maria Anna, in February 1631, but it took another year for the Spanish to offer 24,000 men and around 200,000 escudos a month to help. The forces along the Spanish border increased to 18,000, and between 1630 and 1633, the Spanish delivered around 2.6 million florins in subsidies and indirect aid. However, this agreement wasn't formal at the time, and it wasn't signed due to the fact that Ferdinand gave Alsace, further Austria, and the Tyrol to his younger brother, which did help with internal issues in the Austrian Habsburg family, but did not help with... Spanish, as they were promised Alsace in the Onate Treaty of 1617. So, giving somebody else would break those terms, logically. So, Spain, with that, was a no-go as a major ally. Although, they likely provided some degree of assistance, although not military aid as they were still family, as they both were Habsburgs. This was probably a mistake, I would argue, giving land and not getting Spain support, that is, as opening a war on two fronts against the Swedes would at least slow them down, if not let the Imperials recover and try to strike back against the Protestants. But Ferdinand was in a bind to decide between external aid and receiving peace and the Imperial family, and both of them were important, but I would have put getting Spain as an ally as... A bigger thing than making sure my younger brother was not as upset with me. Granted, we have the benefit of hindsight, so we can see maybe this was a tactical error, but back then, he didn't have that. Granted, Spain wasn't out of this war yet, but as an active participant, they were not available at this time, as they were still doing their whole war with the Netherlands at this point. But, unknown to the Emperor initially, Maximilian had different plans. As leader of the League, he had his own diplomatic stuff he could do, so he made his own arrangements, which did not make the Emperor happy. Maximilian approached Richelieu for support, who, despite taking the territory from Lorraine, did not intend to punish Charles too heavily. However, Gustavus landing at Pomerania had forced his hand due to them fulfilling his conditions of keeping Spain from getting help from the HRE, which, that certainly was something they wanted. France, that is. But the fact that the Swedes began sweeping up territory had changed the balance of power in Europe, which caused Richelieu to reach out to Bavaria to try to form a full alliance as disrupting a balance doesn't necessarily favor for someone who wants to know what their position is. Richelieu intended to have the Catholic League act as a neutral buffer between the Swedish-Imperial War and the Spanish-Dutch War to keep it from becoming one big, massive mess, which it mostly was, but the Catholic League definitely didn't stay neutral. These wars were having a major effect on the balance of power in Europe, as I just said. It also was very destructive to the economies of everyone involved, which would leave a post-war thing of debt for everyone. And if that idea failed, the idea of the Catholic League being neutral, he could at least negotiate on an individual basis with princes to protect them if need be, fully to benefit France, because Richelieu, if nothing else, was a patriot of France. So when France advanced into Lorraine, he sent out an open invitation to any Catholic prince for protection from the Spanish and Swedish. And with the capture of Vic and Moyenvic, that allowed French troops to reach Alsace, only making that offer look better to those potential people. The Elector of Trier actually accepted this deal, as the Spanish had infringed upon his property in the Netherlands and had failed to protect him at the same time. So Maximilian was in a bind and hesitant to act. Gustavus had put pressure on him, to reduce his number to 12,000 or face invasion of Bavaria, as the League and Bavaria was technically neutral, but their acting in league with the imperial forces threatened the neutrality of them. I don't get it either, as they had been fighting them for a year now, or a year or so at that point. But politics is just complex, and what makes them neutral and not neutral can be confusing at times. And adding on to that, negotiations for French protection became more complicated. Gaston, from the last episode, was doing his thing, and Mainz and Würzburg tried to negotiate with France separately. Keep in mind, this is before Sweden captured it. Richelieu was unable to get Gustavus to lighten up his terms for a peace deal, which told Maximilian that France could not contain Sweden. Maximilian also did not want to bite the hand that feeds in relation to his lands entitled titles granted him by the Emperor, as he had begun fixing his relationship with Vienna by 1632, which included dropping his complaints for reinstating Wallenstein, which he had been a big proponent of back then. The Emperor, seeing that Maximilian was loyal, especially in the face of dropping the France deal, offered him more military aid and he promised the elector of Mainz he would get it back. This fact, along with Maximilian supporting him, kept many of those wavering to stay within the empire even as the war was not going well for them. So, all in all, the deal with France fell through, and the issue on mines probably didn't help the geopolitics. France was unable to secure a alliance with Bavaria and vice versa, although they were still able to keep Spain from helping, But that certainly put them in a tough spot, which seemed more and more pushing them against the Habsburgs and the Imperials, which they wouldn't necessarily oppose, but wars are expensive and all. This whole thing will be explored later as France becomes a more active combatant, but for now, we move on to the internal issues in the HRE, or an internal issue that might look on the up and up for them. With the war going badly and no outside help coming, the Emperor had only one choice to make. Imperial troops resented serving under Tilly and had lost their confidence in him, especially after Brettenfeld. So, after April 1631, Ferdinand opened negotiations with Wallenstein to have him take over the Imperial forces again. Ferdinand named him General Capo in December 1631, which would last three months, which was formalized on April 13th, 1632. This document, however, is lost, which from Peter Wilson's book, which is my primary narrative I get this all from, is said to maybe cover the Emperor's crimes in relation to the murder of Wallenstein later, but we're not there yet, so that is not relevant at the moment. With this supposed deal, which had to be reconstructed through sources, Wallenstein was given a general salary and safeguards on his properties, along with in absolutisma forma, and effectively made him a monarch, and he was above any other institution besides the emperor. This was meant to help Bruce's attention after his dismissal, especially because it was believed only Wallenstein could save the situation for the empire. He was basically dictator in all but name, only the emperor above him, but this did let him access resources from the Habsburg lands, which was sorely needed, Although, most of Germany was controlled by Sweden, so there wasn't a lot of other places to draw from. This was certainly not a move the Habsburgs would make in any other state situation, but it was bad enough that it kind of warranted this level of control to a general who had been doing fairly well before he was thrown out of office. This new command was also simplified in terms of issues for general command structure, especially after Tilly died on April 30th, 1632. I will cover Tilly's death at the start of next week, but for now, we stay on topic. Maximilian took control of the forces in Bavaria and the Catholic League, wanting to control of the majority forces of the Imperials, and Pappenheim, a general who had kind of been in the background for a lot of this, held out in northwestern Germany with scattered League and Imperial forces. This was effectively a Hail Mary, as the situation was that bad. But it certainly shows the Catholics weren't defeated yet, and they still had cards up their sleeve. It should be said though that Wallenstein was still relatively isolated politically, especially after he two main supporters in Vienna, his father-in-law, who died, and Eggenberg, who resigned his position. Many of his old commanders had left or joined other people's armies, some dying or some had been taken as commission by disease, so he had to sort of build up a new group of officers. He led an Aldringen and a commander named Gallus, along with others that he promoted from existing regiments. Many of these new commanders did have more experience and ability, which helped shore up the defense against Gustavus, or at least command in those armies. There are many commanders that are listed, but I'm not going to bog it in all with names and everything, so I'll cover them in detail, or at least in a little short bits, if they're relevant. And in the face of the defeat of the Catholics, Wallenstein began to reconstruct the Imperial Army, taking some of Gustavus's changes on board. He reduced the size of the infantry formations, making them more maneuverable and having more firepower, which replaced the tertios with units of around 500 to 1,000 men instead, which shrunk the regiments, but reduced the ranks' formations from 15 to 20 to 7 to 10, which made them easier to command and control. Infantry were also trained to fire in salvos and generally had a few guns supporting each regiment, Like I said, Gustavus' plans. Cavalry, in the meanwhile, stayed about the same size, although they were divided up in smaller squadrons. Recruits would generally organize larger squadrons, while veterans would gather in smaller ones. And the formations were about, or only a little bigger, than the Swedish Cavalry. However, the cavalry still had issues with experience, which the Swedes had over them and would have the upper hand for a good long while. It wasn't an issue of organization. It was just an issue of lack of battlefield experience, which is relevant for a war. But it was very clear that Wallenstein had been studying Gazovs' tactics and were taking them into account and learning from it, seeing the failure of the old tertios and other ways of fighting. It wasn't as in-depth as the Swedes, who had several years to do it, but this was all done over a relative few months, which was certainly impressive. Keep in mind, this was also starting around December of CN31, so he was kind of helping building this up before he took formal command. This is a sign that Like I mentioned in the Swedish army episode, these reforms would become more and more common as the people saw success in this method. And the rise of the professional army was becoming more and more of a thing now. And in the bigger picture, Wallenstein had clearly given a shot in the arm for the Catholics, which was still shaky, but it gave them hope that they could fight back. It remains to be seen how successful that could be, but morale was definitely better. And next week we will get back to the war and the destruction and scale of military only gets worse. I want to thank you all for listening in and hope you're enjoying it. The social media links will be in the description box or on the links themselves. You can email me at 3DECOT at gmail.com. I'm that patron. I want to thank all of you who support me and please review and spread the word. And I'll see you guys next time.